Welcome to Films in the Wilderness, Season 3, Episode 4, and today we will be talking about the 2014 movie Two Days, One Night, or Holly, do you want to give it in French? Uh, De Jour en Nuit. De Jour en Nuit. And Molly, do you want to too? <laughs> you, you both did it well. Just before we started the podcast, Molly and Holly, I knew that Holly was a, spoke French because you're a PhD in French. Oh, it's une nuit, by the way. Yeah. I got the gender of the word wrong. Oh, well, okay. I apologize. Oh, well, you just fine. did a liaison. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. There we go. Okay. There we go. And Molly, how did you learn how to speak French? Um, it was just the first language that I um, took other than English. I decided because my step-grandfather was French, and so I had grown up listening to him sing the Marseillaise. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and he died before I got the chance to choose what language to take in school. So sort of in, in memory of him. Oh, yeah, that's very sweet. I think I took French in eighth grade, and we learned the Big Mac jingle in French, and that was the sum <laughs> total of what I remember. You still remember it? Important no. French <laughs> Not at all. I remember nothing of the Big Mac jingle, either in English or in French. <laughs> French is how so. I got into linguistics, because my mm. it was the first class I took in college ever. And my I annoyed my professor so much asking her a lot of grammatical questions because I didn't understand that office hours weren't compulsory. Ah. She was like, I don't think you like French. I think you like grammar. Go over to the linguistics department and bother them. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't mind you bothering them? No. Okay. <laughs> then you, found, you landed in the right place. All right. Well... To this movie, I should say that this was Judd's pick. I had never seen it before yesterday. Had either of you ever yeah. seen it before? Okay. And it is a movie um, about a horrible situation where a mo woman who has gone through a bout of depression and is getting better and able to go back to work, her um, the owner of the factory she works at has made the other workers take a vote where they can decide either to bring her back or to get their bonuses. Which, does this happen in France? Do you know enough about I French culture? I do not know if that happens in France. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it happened in the United States either, honestly. It struck me as huh. very uh, capitalist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I was like, my impression of France was that they had less of a grip on capitalism yeah. than they do in the States. So I th it, was, it was surprising to me that this premise showed up in a French film before if it showed up for me in any sort of American art. I think I'm laboring under the assumption that the American Disabilities Act would not allow you to fire somebody who is moving from depression back to work, but I could be wrong. I mean, I, I'm hardly an expert. I feel like that would be a part of it, yeah. I would think. Yeah, I, well, I think it would have to be under an, a different pretense than you're firing her because she <laughs> took such time off. Because she was depressed. Because she was depressed. And I, I do think that they do an interesting job of of framing, you know, the situation to be a little bit more empathetic than just you were depressed and you didn't come to work for a while and now we hate you. Like, yeah. um, it was a little bit more like, no, like, this is just the way it is. We have limited resources. Only so many people can be employed and the job is able to be done with fewer people. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But so the, the entire movie is her running around to her coworkers, trying to get them to vote not to lay her off to keep her, in other words, to vote against her self-interest. 
um, and their reactions are very various. We'll get into that more and more. Um, but who do you guys think is going through the wilderness the most in this movie? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's could pretty it, clear. Could it be the protagonist? Yeah. Uh, as you would say in English, Sandra. But that's how. <laughs> that's what. Sandra. What, Sandra. <laughs> they kept saying her name, and it did not sound at all like Sandra to my ears. But uh, like I said, so yeah. So Sandra, we start with her. She's been making it. She's sleeping, which is a depressive thing to do. But um, she's also making a tart for her two young children, and she gets a call from her friend at the factory, Juliet to tell her that she has a chance to save her job if she can convince people. So, what, okay, so let's talk about her wilderness. So obviously she's running around through wilderness the entire thing, but the movie doesn't reveal right away what happened. Mm -hmm. What, maybe a third of the way through or even half of the way through we learned that it was depression? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very obvious from the get that there is something psychologically unwell about her. Yeah. Not just because this, the, the opening scene is her like sleeping in an almost dead way, but because of the way that people, the people around her are engaging with her and interacting with her. They're, they're very, very much like touching her with kid gloves. There's this, um, the, the first tip off for me was like the scene where Manu, her husband, comes home um, having found out the news that she has a chance to save her job and is urgently knocking on the door and you don't know if he's excited about her her chance to to go after her job or if he's worried about her her well-being well and she keeps saying that she can't cry like her mm -hmm. first reaction is i can't let myself cry like, yeah and she starts taking pills yeah mm -hmm. which i think are xanax is that i think it's clearly stated what it is yeah it is xanax, mm -hmm. right yeah okay so um Part of it is, part of what's at stake is not only her job, but kind of her recovery from her depression. Mm -hmm. Like she is so fragile as she tries to undertake this mission. Um, anything else, Holly, to say about her wilderness? Um, I also feel like there's a little bit of wilderness going on with the relationship between her and her husband, mm. because I think it suffered um, because of her depression, or maybe not because of it, but I think that was a part of it, um, and that brought out some difficulties. And then all through the film, he's just pushing her and pushing her, and she's obviously tired, and she doesn't want to do this, and she's sad about the whole thing, as anyone would be. Um, and he's being kind of... Um, hardcore about it like we got to keep going we got to keep asking people and i understand why he did that but at the same time i understand her reaction too mm -hmm. and so there is that one part where she says um you're i know you're going to leave me i know that like our relationship is not going to last so she's obviously feeling that there's some tension there um and is afraid that um it will culminate into a divorce yeah yeah but I'm very pro-Manu. I, I, I don't mean, think yes, he's, I, I, he's I, I, not yeah, so pro, pro Manu. <laughs> no, um, I'm not anti-Manu. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, like, one of, just on the wilderness point, one of the strengths of this film was that while Sandra is experiencing this wilderness of her own, she is forced to confront the individual struggles of all of the other people in her life and kind of get out of her, her head about it in a, in a sort of way of, of coming to realize that it's not just her that this is happening to. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense of the, the turning point of the film 
which is, so she is so depressed at the different rejections she's received that she takes all of the Xanax. And so it's a attempted suicide, which I, I was actually quite angry with her in that moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was more taken aback by how like, easily everyone around her took it. How yeah. Like, like her friend was there, like had shown up. Yeah. And was like, ha, I forget the name of it. Anne. Anne. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was there and, and, and kind of hadn't really seen the side of her and was just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm along for this ride now. Let's go to the hospital. Yeah. And like Manu was like, all right, I'm going to gag you. <laughs> like, Let's get you to throw up. And yeah. then they, she goes to the hospital and then they let her go. Well, like, first she gets carrot soup and, uh, <laughs> and like bread with cheese. I was like, oh man. I was like, if this happened in the United States, she'd be on involuntary hold. Like, mm-hmm. this is not it. Yeah, yeah. That's... You don't take all your Xanax and then like get to experience what you want to do with the rest of your weekend. Right. <laughs> yeah, she would definitely be on a psych ward for observation mm-hmm. for at least a day or two. Yeah. Probably longer. Um, yeah, okay, so she does that, but but I wanted to talk about Anne because it's Anne showing up which really turned things around for her. Yeah. Because Anne had previously rejected her and had like a terrible husband who was yelling at her. And then I think the reason Anne goes alone is because Anne has nothing else to do. Like she's, mm-hmm. we learn very quickly that she decided to leave her terrible husband, which... I felt relieved by it. Yes. <laughs> Go, Anne. <laughs> this, this is really a story of Anne's empowerment. It really is. <laughs> In many ways. On the down low, I was like... Let me say about the movie, I found myself not really liking Sandro very much at all, mm-hmm. which is not maybe not the most generous attitude towards someone <laughs> suffering depression. And I think it was a really good depiction of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely felt relieved when Anne became, came into the story more because I was like, okay. Finally, someone to root for. Yeah. yeah, somebody who you're not kind of like dragging along. <laughs> Did you feel the same? Did you guys, were you pro Sandra too or Sandro? Yeah, I thought Sandro was about as like, relatable a character as she could be given the situation yeah um but it was funny after i i finished watching it i was like sort of reflecting and thinking you know all of us would like to say that we're like were we in this situation and our coworker came to us and was like it's my job or your bonus like that we would do the right thing like this is watching the film you're like so surprised that this many people are like no I, I refuse to give up my bonus for you to have your job. But then I was like, hey, you know what? She was a really underperforming employee. Like, she wasn't necessarily doing, like, her share of the work, maybe. Like, when when she was at that job, we don't know. But, like, there are some suggestions, like, from, like, one or two of her, her fellow employees that, like, you know, she did something nice for them yeah. once. But there are so many people who are so ready to write her off. And I think it's kind of important that, like, she not be totally relatable. She, that the viewer <laughs> not, like, be immediately on her side so that you can understand where all these people are coming from who are like, you know, actually, I don't know if I want to do this for you. Huh. That's an interesting point. I, I kind of got that before she got depressed, 
and this comes mostly from the scene with Timur, mm-hmm. who um, is like this soccer, foot, football, how do you say it in French? <laughs> football. football. <laughs> He's out coaching kids at football, and she calls him over, and he comes over, and she's at, she basically has a script. She has something that she says mm-hmm. at least eight times in the course of the movie, <laughs> the same thing over and over again. But Timor, as soon as he hears it, starts to cry. It was so I was not touching. expecting that at all. Well, especially because they teed it up with, like, six straight rejections. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he's just, like, playing soccer. I'm like, you're interrupting the man while he's doing his job. Like, if I were this fellow, I would be quite upset, um, especially, because, especially if I felt that I, I needed the bonus to... Because I, I was sympathizing with the other people as well. That there were some people that said, "I need this to make ends meet, and I can't pay the bills if I don't get this bonus." And so, like, I'm like, "What if? What if this poor fellow needs his bonus, and then she's coming and interrupting his job, um, and then he just starts crying?" And I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Well, he's crying because he feels so guilty uh-huh. because early on, when he was starting at the factory, he made a mistake and broke some solar panels. And uh, Sandra covered for him, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. kind of indicates she and she was training him at the time, so she must have been at a certain point good enough, both to train other workers and also confident enough in her work to to just be able to cover for yeah. somebody else's mistake. I mean, it's a, it's a small team. Yeah. Right. My my, I mean, like, I'm not saying for sure that we know one way or the other. What right. we do know. The facts are, she didn't work for a while, and they were able to do the job without her. And um, that reality, especially in a capitalist context, is really hard to ignore. Yeah. This whole like, I don't, I don't care what you were going through. We all have like things in our lives. You know, I showed up for work and you didn't. Kind of mentality. It is relatable. It is. Maybe I just don't like capitalism. (laughs) I mean, none of us do. project and done done more of the work oh yeah and yeah. repented the people who were getting the credit like yeah that's true that's true but we also just lived through two years where nobody could show up and we all learned to treat each other extremely well and mm-hmm. be like mm-hmm. it's okay take a mulligan whatever you're going through right now yeah we'll cover it because yeah we're all in the same boat, and and I think I think now you bring up capitalism. They are in this. They're all together in this oppressive system. Yeah, none right? of them are doing well. No, none of them are doing well. Not a single one of them, um, and they all react very differently. But what's so well, I don't know if it's interesting, but the men react much more emotionally than the women do at every single point. Like Timor weeps, mm-hmm. that guy beats up his own <laughs> yeah. dad. Runs away. Runs away. It's just like, <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. The one Let's that struck me that. was um, Nanette, was it? Who just yeah. like would not speak to Sandra. Right. Like, mm-hmm. She just could not bring herself to face it. Right. And I was like, this feels toxically masculine, but she's a woman. <laughs> right. Exactly. She makes her child do the talking. Yeah. Her young yeah. child. Yeesh. Um, anyway, okay, so Sandra is on the wilderness. I think Manu is a little bit in the wilderness, too, because he's trying to take care of his children, take care of his sick wife. He's worried about the mortgage. He's working. Um, that's why that's why I'm on his side, because he never he never loses his... We don't see him get angry. You know, he's, he's insistent, I think, but he's not a jerk. 
Like yeah. he's not shouting and he's I not. I felt that he batted a thousand. Like yeah. I think he hit it out of the park. Like this man was doing every right thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this is a pro Manu podcast. Right <laughs> <laughs> so. it, well, it was just clear that Manu had been around the block. Like yeah. this was not new to him. And he, instead of like resenting Sandra for for her depression and the ways that it had affected him, which her coworkers are doing and it's affected them much less. Right. Um, he chooses to continue loving and supporting her. And that's very, very admirable. Right. But also, I mean, they're married. Like that is that is the agreement. Yeah. <laughs> like let's stop praising men for doing the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I think my kind of ignor- ignorance about France meant that I was kind of assuming that all marriages are taken lightly in France. <laughs> but I might be totally... That is probably a gross cultural uh, stereotype. Um, I don't know. What's your experience with that? Yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a stereotype, I would, I would say. But an unfair for, one? For the most part. <laughs> okay, for the most part, unfair. Okay, so what new thing is emerging in their lives? Shawada leave. <laughs> yeah. A will to live. Like yeah. her her own sort of sense of purpose and and worth that that is um, you know a little bit stronger than just her connections to any one given thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I I guess. I mean I might like be less on board. We haven't talked about whether we really like this movie or not. <laughs> and I, I kind of finished watching it and felt pretty undecided. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I loved it. Okay, so you loved it, Holly? No. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, there we go. It's a reverse 40-year-old version. It is a reverse 40-year-old version. Um, and I think I think the scene that really struck me as false was when they're going back from the hospital and they start listening to Gloria. Yeah, and they're just all like start singing at the same time. And I was thinking if there was some like stranger in the car with me, I wouldn't just be singing the lyrics to this song at the top of my lungs. Well, they all seemed extremely awkward around each yeah. other. I yeah, think that's it's what an was... awkward situation. Though. Yeah, but then why do I mean, it was like there's no real joie de vivre going on here. <laughs> well, it's like but, enforced but, like, or, or But it's, I think that the idea is that it, this is not something that is innately given to you. You have yeah. to work for it. For joie de vivre? Yeah. Oh. Like, you, you have to, this is, sometimes you have to pursue your joy in life. Yeah. And, and like, that scene... I, I liked it because it's like, what else do you do when you're driving home from the hospital after your wife or coworker has just attempted suicide but then changed your mind about it? You're like, do you like music? We like music. <laughs> Turn on the radio. <laughs> yeah, I could, I, I could see it. Maybe it's because was it shot from like Anne's perspective? Like, was it like yeah, over it was shot from the back seat. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. You know, maybe all the awkwardness came from me, like, identifying too much with Anne and being like, man, I don't know if I'd want to be in that car. You know, I've just left my husband and I'm happy that these people are going to let me sleep on their couch, but they're a real fragile place and I'm putting myself into, or getting into something. But I think it's a vulnerability, like, thing. It's, It's that Anne knows that Sandra witnessed this abuse that she suffered at the hands of her husband. And she was vulnerable to Sandra in this completely new and unexpected way through mm. that experience. And immediately, 
that vulnerability is reciprocated, not yeah. intentionally, but it is. And so it's almost this like relief of like, oh, we are in this new level of relationship with one, e- one another. I have chosen to view you as like a whole human hmm. and you are viewing me as a whole human, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to say, um, that basically the same thing, but that that um, I guess that Anne also has some joie de vivre um, for herself after leaving her husband because I, I think she's relieved about it. Yeah. Um, of, of course, I it's not an easy thing to do, and it wasn't easy for her, but um, she's feeling at this moment, despite the awkwardness, um, is probably feeling um, like liberated in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how the situation does change people's lives if they're open to allowing that change to happen. You know, they're, like I, I think the emotionality of the men is purely defensive, at least the angry men. Whereas I think Timur wanted the change, was like waiting for the change, mm-hmm. just wanted to be asked. I'm also very pro Timur. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other character too, who's very important we should mention. Um, one of the last of the, the employees that she visits who is a, a short contract employee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and an immigrant. Yes. And uh, can you look up his name? I'm looking it up yeah. right now. But I'll tell you in a minute. But he, like, breaks down in almost in tears as well Yeah. over his guilt that, like, he he was he was afraid he had been one of the people who had been intimidated by the, the foreman um, into thinking he'd lose his job if, if she got to keep hers. He turns out to not be all that wrong. But, um... Yep. Alphonse is his name. And he, but he he describes this this sense of feeling guilt immediately after his first vote because he knew that it was the the wrong thing to do, that there was a right thing to do and he hadn't done it out of fear. Well, he knew it because he's a Christian. I mean, he says specifically, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to take care of my neighbor and I know I'm not doing that. Exactly. So, yeah, so open eyes about that but he, but he was right you know mm-hmm. like he was the one who was going to get fired and actually so so throughout it all Sandra is repeating the thing that her friend Juliet told her which is that the foreman the foreman foreman <laughs> scared everybody yeah, Jean-Luc Jean-Luc yeah I kept waiting I was like how evil is Jean-Luc going to be when he appears and then he was just kind of a schlubby bald guy <laughs> <laughs> anticlimactic yeah, um, isn't that just like the most capitalist thing ever yeah. Yeah, that, so. the, the true villain is the schlubby old cat. <laughs> yeah. Not wearing some fancy hat and rubbing his hands no. together and with a cat on his lap or something. No. Um, but, but actually he was... So Sandra keeps repeating the thing Julia told her, which is that he had scared people by saying that somebody was going to be laid off regardless. And then when Sandra actually confronts Jean-Luc about it... Um, he doesn't deny it. He seems surprised that she knows this, but he doesn't deny it. And then ultimately, he's right. Somebody is going to be laid off regardless, right? Mm-hmm. So what she's reading as a scare tactic, in his mind, was probably just like, I got to protect other people's jobs. Mm-hmm. I know somebody's going to be laid off. Yeah, fair is fair, fair truth in advertising. Like, this yeah. is, you should know what you're voting for. Right, exactly. So he's hardly the villain that he was, mm-hmm. that hearsay made him out to be. So, um, so are we, so she, the vote goes eight to eight, so she doesn't get to keep her job. Um, it was actually quite a tense movie, I thought. 
Well, I was like, this is French, so I'm expecting her to lose. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, if she ends up getting her job, I just lost my faith in all French movies. (laughs) (laughs) I was was honestly surprised that it was a tie, because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow, that's much more optimistic than I was banking on. But she still (laughs) lost it, even though it was a tie. I, I don't know what the logic went in there like, well... So she had to get a majority. It couldn't tie, or right. like the other people win. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, democracy is in that. Yeah. yeah. But it still worked because she um, it doesn't, I mean, she's just like, well, I guess I'm going to start looking for another job. But she refuses to, um, she's offered her position back at Alf- Alphonse's expense, and she mm-hmm. refuses to take it. So. Um, I think there is the new thing that's emerging is not only like a joie de vivre, but also a sense of her own morality, maybe. Like she, I, I don't know if she was an immoral person beforehand, so maybe that's wrong to say, but she seems much more alive to other people's circumstances than she was previously, so. Yeah, in a way, her like sense of self is healed, Yeah. such that she is no longer selfish. Like, right. But she needed. <laughs> She was being selfish um, <laughs> <laughs> out of um, self-deprecation or something like, like that. Yeah, out of self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, listeners, we had a technical glitch and I lost my point. Um, Just do it. But again. yeah, she she then because she has this like sense of I I I you know have this confidence in myself. I am worthy of life and happiness. Um, that she's motivated to like do the right thing and go out and, and try harder to find another job. Yeah, I think it is kind of counterintuitive that that's the way it works, but it, it seems really true to experience. You know, like the most selfish people I know are the ones with the smallest sense of self-worth. Like it's, there's so shallow a reservoir that they're grabbing at anything to try and fill it, often at the expense of others. So. Um, so it makes sense that that's where she ends up and that that's her arc, that's her story. Um, I still kind of wish, I think Molly, I would have liked the movie better if I had seen her or known her before her depression. Like if it had started in a different place, maybe like in the factory beforehand, it would have answered a lot of those questions. Why? Why, like, would... why is that important? Um... <sighs> I don't know, Holly, help me out. Well, <laughs> about that? I, I guess that if we had known her before, um, like, this whole incident, then um, we would have known, like, her more about her motivation, um, more about her thoughts. Even, even if we had known her during her depression, we would have known more about her thought processes. Um, but instead, it's just most, most of the movie, which I guess, think is why I don't like it, is just, like, the same scene but with different people over and over again. So you don't, though you do see parts of her personality, you really don't see very much of it. And so you, I, I guess maybe it's that you don't really get to know her as well as you might have. I think, I think that's, I think you just named it. I mean, I think depression does somewhat flatten our personalities. Um, and, you know, that's, that's nobody's fault and something to be gotten through and things will be fine. But, you know, I think Manu can stay by her because he knows the full her, right? Like, he loves her for other reasons and her depressive personality, <laughs> you know? Um, but we're not really given the chance to know her in that way, and I think that's what I 
but you, you don't feel the same. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think this, but this film is not really about Sandra. Like, oh, interesting. I yeah. think it's 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 her story, right? The story yeah. is about her, but the film is about the way all the other people, like you know, and how they how all the different ways that you engage with a situation like Sandra's, and um, just like showing sort of the breadth of of human emotion and, and responsiveness and care and lack thereof, compassion. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm less interested in like what makes Sandra Sandra, what makes Sandra like worth advocating for or against, and and just more about like I'm I'm interested in like how Manu handles her and how um, An's life has changed and the emotion that we see in all of these men when like confronted by her. That's all like you know. That's how human experience works most of the time. Relationships, you don't always get to see like everything behind the curtain that makes them a person who they are and informs why they behave the way they behave. You're just always reacting to what they're presenting you with. Yeah. And we do see her get um, more able in her reactions. Like for me, one of the most powerful scenes was um, when the. Hmm, I can't remember his name, but like the kind of blonde mean guy with the child who he sends back to his mother. Oh yeah. Do you, do you remember his name? No. The guy who ends up counting the votes with Juliet at the end. Yeah. 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 And um, until that point when she's been meeting with people, people have been asking, well, whose votes do you have? You know, like who mm-hmm. who is on board for voting for you to stay? And he asks her the same question and she pauses and looks at him and then says, well, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, hidden vault vote or what's blind, vote, blind yeah. vote yeah so I can't tell you that and it's like this wariness mm-hmm. comes over her and I'm like okay she's back enough that she's she's perceiving like she's engaging in a different way mm-hmm. now um, I don't know really what accounted for that uh, except there is kind of an escalation up until the guy kits his dad <laughs> you know and it might be that it's like She's becoming wary about even about asking these questions and the and learning the cost. It's possible. There's also a lot of you know just small deviations in her script as she she deals with with each person. Yeah. And I sort of read that as her, you know, growing awareness of of the other person, her like getting outside of herself. Yeah. And. Even when like there's a moment where she like lies and inflates the number <laughs> and says like there's more people voting for her mm-hmm. already, um, you know I, I I just sort of like saw all of those as like her her increasing awareness of the the people with which she, she's engaging. Yeah, right. Um, it's possible that that guy had already been antagonistic toward her before the setting of the movie. That's true. It is possible. Do we know what city this is? Is this like suburban no, Paris? It's, it wouldn't be Paris because of the beasts. They only kiss once instead of twice. No. Oh. So I do you know? Do you remember what regions they do that in? No. I, I believe in Paris it's two. Yeah. Um, and in some areas it's three, but I so I'm not sure. It also huh. struck me as like quite rural, like in in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Yeah. What's what's that called? The kiss. The beast. Yeah. How do you spell it? B i s e. B i s e. The beast. Like short for bisou. Mm-hmm. Bisou. Okay. Just kiss. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
I'm going to form a French New Wave band called The Beast. I'm sure somebody already has, but The Beast. All right. La Beast. Okay, so what has to die for them in order for that new thing to emerge? Our final question. I think this is the, the clearest um, film for answers to these guiding questions oh, that yeah. we've seen so far. Uh, <laughs> because she almost dies. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, um, her job, her, her uh, you know, mm-hmm. at the very end, she, she gives up that, that prospect of employment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. But for all the other people, not all the other, literally half of the other people, it's their, their selfishness that needs to die. Mm. Or, and then I guess for the, the eight that still vote against her, it's their pretense of being compassionate people. Hmm. Well, it's a hard thing to die. <laughs> what were you going to say, Helen? Um, well, like, we've already talked about her own sense of, um, like, the, the selfishness that was inherent in her had to die. Um, and even though I did not like the movie, I really liked the ending mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't expecting that to happen. It just kind of, it was like, okay, she didn't get it. That seems normal. Um, and then, then they're like, oh, well, we could give it back to you. And I was really glad that she said, no, I'm not going to do that to this other person because it seemed, it was at that point that it was really clear that she had given up like this, um, the, the selfishness perhaps that she had before um, and that she wasn't, she almost seemed excited. She's like, I'll just, I'm going to go look for a new job. It's going right. to be okay. She, for the first time in the movie, it seemed like she thought everything was going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also in terms of her relationship with Manu and that um, scene where she says, you're going to leave me, um, I think, I don't know how to articulate this, but... Um, that kind of suspicion that her illness has changed things fundamentally in her marriage um, needs to die. And I think I think it dies not really in any kind of um, overtly dramatic way in the movie. I think it's just Manu's continuous refusal to give up on her. Oh, see, I can point at an exact moment. Okay, yeah. Uh, they're, they're driving in the car, and a sad song comes on the radio, and he uh. turns it off. And she said, stop protecting me. Um, He's like, what are you talking about? And she said, you thought that song was too depressing for me. And he turns the radio back on and turns it all the way up. And it's this sort of admittance of like, yeah, like, yes, I I have have treated you this way. And I'm I'm deciding to listen to you and to stop. Oh, there we go. Mm -hmm. Subtle, subtle stuff. Yeah. Okay. So maybe his kind of worrying, worrying protection. Yeah has to die a little bit in order for their marriage to continue. He needs to, to treat her like she she is like a, a whole person again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. An equitable partner. Right, right. Well, it's beautiful. Okay. I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm just convincing <laughs> you of this movie's marriage. I think you are. Well, I you, you know, you know Jed, Jed, if he were here, would be totally on your side. <laughs> I'm sure. So. I hope you're listening, Jed. I hope I'm proud. <laughs> I'll tell him he has to. Um... Okay, anything else we want to talk about in terms of this movie before we... Um, I do want to say it reminded me of a movie I watched last year called Rosie. It's an Irish film, and it's like the exact same thing, except it's about a family who's homeless. Oh. And they, it's during like the housing crisis in Ireland, and 
um, over and over again, they keep calling hotels because they don't have anywhere to live um, because they got evicted. And all of it's them just driving around, calling hotels and like trying to find places to stay. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really reminded me of that. Uh, the end was a little bit different. Um, it was actually um, more depressing than the, one, than the ending of this here French movie. Um, <laughs> so it's obviously a theme that is... Um, inherent in all cultures all me all meaning irish and yeah, french, french. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but in more than one culture and so and, and i'm sure that there are like american films like that as well for yeah. a, oh, i was also reminded of something i also watched very different though from the process of this like systematic visitation in person and how like unnatural that feels i think in uh, the modern technological era, especially post-COVID, mm -hmm. to like go in and have these face-to-face -face conversations. Um, I just finished watching this, this series, this British series called Lovesick, which is about a guy who gets chlamydia and decides oh, instead yeah. of sending out the little postcards that he's going uh -huh. to go and speak or try to reconnect and have discussions with all of his former sexual partners. So like really, Run similarly, although that series is much more upbeat. <laughs> although it will tug your heartstrings as well, but it's not way less depressing. Okay. And very British. So. Yeah. Ella, Ella watched it, and her her takeaway was that that guy was basically he he was too promiscuous. <laughs> I mean, yes. It was hard to be sympathetic. You know, it, of course it's happened to you. Well, <laughs> again, is it is it about the person that it's do that's doing it, or is it about the people that they're that are are yeah. you know, oh, sort of orbiting point. around them yeah. and the, the sort of fallout. Right, right. Um, I do... Uh, is this realism? I, I guess that was part of my question, too. I, I, think, I think it is. I think if it had been over a longer period of time, um, there would have been more, I don't know, goofiness, humor, something coming in because, you know, I've known people in some pretty dire straits, um, but the response is not to kind of sink into a, a, you know, broken down depression. There is like a lot of like weird laughter, maybe graveyard humor, you know, like anything to sustain you, um, but it's not a flat affect. Mm -hmm. So, because I've known people driving around trying to get hotels and mm -hmm. it sucks, you know, and I'm glad like that is being chronicled and understood. Um, but, you know, we, in, in the 40 year old version, she was very angry about, um, what did she call it, poverty porn? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there is a, there's always a danger that, I don't think this movie does it, but there's yeah. always a danger that movies will fall into that, like not understand that human beings are still going to be full human beings, even in dire straits. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was this, this like, kind of undercurrent of the whole thing of, like, sort of the prestige of not being on welfare. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that, that she, she was trying to make this appeal of, like, I'm, I, I don't want to be, like, a waste of, on society and everything like that. And sort of the rhetoric around that seemed, like, almost, like, a performative poor like yeah see I'm poor but I'm doing all the right things right I'm pulling I'm bootstrapping right and um, yeah that that just kind of struck me because I don't know that much about sort of the, the French ideology around poverty um, but yeah I, I, I don't know I don't um, I don't think the point was to be 
to be realistic. <laughs> and I, I also wonder about like all of the, because I, it did strike me too, like most of the depressed people I know are cracking jokes, yeah. you know, dark humor and things, but like all of the people that we're not seeing because they're more in the depths of the pits. That's and true. They're not going that, out at all. Yeah, and yeah. that like, you know, there's only going to be a handful of people that they can bring themselves to interact with. Yeah. And the fact that she got to 16 in a weekend, you know, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay, dear listeners. Well, we have one more movie in the series, which is Nicolas Cage movie Pig. Have either of you seen this? No. Me neither. So this will be another, <laughs> like, we're all going in blank to that one. Um, so we want to thank Brianna Kelly for providing our theme music and to Jed for help, Jed Deering for helping to uh, pick the movies and produce. Um, we will put this out on Monday and we will try to get Pig out the following Monday, but there is a, a hiatus next week as we have a big event here at St. Stephen's. Um, and I may frankly be too exhausted on Thursday to record with you two. So if that's the case, we just let it go a week if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. All right, so don't worry, dear listeners. We have not abandoned you if you don't get pig right away two weeks from now. Okay, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Yay. Thank you. Say something French. Uh, Au revoir. Bon, no, not bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> bon soirée. Bon, bon soirée. Adieu. <laughs>